Hi, everyone. It's Mind Rolling. I'm back here, and I've got a new partner, Rachel Fisher. Say hi, Rachel. Hi, first everyone. First time on Mind Rolling. Blessed to be here. And uh, first time on Mind Rolling, uh, Justin Boretta of Glitch Hello. Mob. Hi, Justin. Glad to have you. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and uh, f- for those of you who do not know Glitch Mob... There can't be that many of you, but there may be a few. Glitch Mob is a leading one of the leading uh, electronica bands that's out there. Actually, your last record, which is called, tell me, "See Without Eyes." Yeah, that was a top uh, electronica album about uh, six weeks ago on the charts. No. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it hit number one on Billboard, and that's it's an exciting time for us to have music be received like that even though you know we what we do is a bit more outside of the, the mainstream and we don't really aim for charting when yeah. it does that it's a, it's a nice nod that people are resonating with uh, it's really great so we bumped into justin because he bumped into ramdas some years back and he had this fantastic idea uh to put together some music with the uh, this Ramdas meditation from way back in the 70s, actually. Actually, that meditation, I believe, Ramdas did not long after he came back, we came back uh, from India the second time that he was there. And so he was really in the, in the bob, as they say. He was right in the moment. So, in the soup. Yeah, right in the soup then. So, but, and we're going to get to that and play a little of it so everybody can get a feel. It's a it's a thirty minute track, twenty nine odd minute track. So we're not going to play all of it. And um, so I, my first thing that you know, usually when I talk to people on mind rolling, I always say, okay, what are the triggers that led you to a place of knowing that there was a path to be happy? As simple as that, to get that you were not your mind, you were not your ego, that there was something else there. Now. There, there's many triggers uh, for me, and people know this who listen to Mind Rolling from back in the day when I first started. Certainly it was music, and so we've got a lot in common right there. Actually, and I don't think you know this because we've never really talked extensively, uh, but uh, when I was uh, 16 or 17 years old, I saw John Coltrane in a club in Montreal where I'm from, and had an out-of-body experience when he played My Favorite Things. I don't know if you know that song. Oh, wow. I do. I'm a big fan. Yeah. So, and then to Psychedelics and on. So, what's your story? It's very similar, actually. I think that it's it's funny how how often we hear it, but um, it was music. It was the combination of music first, and then into Psychedelics, and then into meditation. <clears throat> and I started doing um, transcendental meditation and then Vipassana, which led me out of the psychedelic realm and realizing that that was all within myself and I didn't actually need that to get there. But for me, being someone that um, I think I needed to have my head clobbered by psychedelics to really get there initially. Um, but what the, I would say the real blossoming moment for me was the combination of um, of having many years of mindfulness practice and then heading into Vipassana, which was much more for me a heart-based meditation practice. And the silent retreat is, is really was, was when everything um, changed and the sort of a switch turned and I haven't really felt the same ever since. That's funny. Vipassana for me was like the hardest job I ever had in my life. The, the, <laughs> the first 10-day course that I went to was in uh, Bodh Gaya in India. And I thought I was going to die, actually. It was, like, awful. And <laughs> finally got through it and, uh, you know, did more uh, following that. Um, heart-based? Uh, well, you know what I feel about it? It's kind of what Ramdas said. When he did Vipassana and he did these courses and he came back and he, he said, now that there is this uh, one-pointed, at the very least, is the uh, result of Vipassana, is mm-hmm. anapana, you know, getting one pointed so you're not chasing your your mind isn't just controlling everything. That he was Absolutely. able he was able to open his heart in a way that he had not before as a result of this. So that 
maybe that's the understanding. I, I'm not sure, but yeah, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't realize that. And I'd say Ramdas is actually is a part of this too. But for me, going into mindfulness meditation, it was very, um, very methodical. But I had done it years and years every day, um, twenty minutes in the morning, twenty minutes in the evening, and it became part of my daily practice, my musical practice. So I had the foundation of focusing on my breath and TM. You know, there's a mantra and um, mindfulness for me was was it was a life-changing experience I mean, even the very first one i could very easily drop in into the moment um and the vipassana practice specifically the metta loving kindness meditation for me i mean in the very beginning they were they mm. instruct you to put, put your hand on your heart and give yourself loving kindness and i was so walled off that i couldn't even put my head in my heart it felt <laughs> weird to touch myself in that way and then by the end of it i was walking around like uh, I was I was fully there, uh, um, that's great. and then after after having that that hard experience and realizing that that's where the good stuff was and that's also where my path was was when I discovered um, the the Ramdas teachings again. In fact, I had had uh, I had, had had access to them earlier on in life, and my father, um, who's passed away now, had Ramdas books around when I was young, and um, and Alan Watts. But it just didn't really, I didn't grok it until after that experience. And I had come back a number of times and the talk about uh, the heart and about God and guru, like I just couldn't really make heads or tails of it until I had that moment. And then when I came back, it was actually, it was polishing the mirror was the one that I first really Mm. got and felt like a map to me after I had a particularly um, intense mystical psychedelic experience. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was, it was the, it was a map of, of everything. Mm. That's great to hear. I'll have to tell Ramdas's co-author Rameshwaras about that. He'll love that. It's a fantastic yeah. book. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, and and then going back to be here now and all of the teaching before that, I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. But it took me a while to really get there. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, well, since Rachel is sitting here, see, Rachel joined us uh, the foundation about what six, seven years ago? Is it? I think like around seven. Seven now. Yeah. And uh, she, this was just a job. She just got a job here. She knew who Ram Dass was. a job. <laughs> her mother knew. Oh, really? Yeah. She just got a job. <laughs> and then next thing you know, you know, she's hobnobbing around India with us, uh, uh, you know, earlier this year with uh, this wild jungle baba in the middle of India. For the so, second time. For I the went second in 2014 time, right. for the first time. And then. That's right. So, Oh, wh- wow. So you didn't actually, you didn't know exactly what you were getting into when you got the job. Absolutely That's nothing. So cool. I had just graduated from college and I was waiting tables. And um, yeah, a friend of mine said, oh, I, I have this person that I know you might like working for because, and I said, that's great. It's in my field. It was in communications. <laughs> And I was like, cool, a communications job. I'll do that. And um, little did I know the communication would be like a, not the right word for that, for what I did. Communication with God. Lots of communication. Um, She was indoctrinated into a cult and she didn't know. I joined the cult. I didn't realize it until seven years later. Yeah. Yeah. Still in denial about it. So what is it though? Uh, so I, I don't know. How old are you at this point, Justin? I'm 37. 37. Yeah. So you're within that range, next gen range. And what what do you guys think about the fact that uh, it seems to me? And you know, and we we get a lot, a lot of mail. We get a, we just did a meditation course. Uh, Rachel uh, uh, put out there. And, uh, you know, 12,000 people signed up, you know, three quarters of them were new, you know, four or 5,000 people on Facebook group and so on. I mean, there is a big, big, uh, desire on your generation's part to really try and uh, get, as we call it and be here now, a get your life balanced a little bit better and be able to offer something. So what, what do you think this is? But this is a question for both of you. Um, I think I see a lot of it happening in, I, we travel around a lot, you know, in Glitch Mob, we, we tour around, we just finished a two month tour all around the United States visiting, we visited most states except for Alaska and we've traveled around Europe and we're heading to Asia and there's, there's a, a commonality, I would say, in the way that people approach music and especially when we're so digitally connected and music in particular in, in secular society, it's a place where people come together and whether you want to call it 
praying or connecting to something larger than themselves. So it's very potent right now. Um, the way that people, the, the things that happen when you're dancing and losing yourself on the dance floor, it's, this, it's the oldest technology there is. But people are, um, especially in the age of mass distraction, it's one of the times where you, you come together and for the most part, you know, we sometimes we'll ask people to put their phones away. Um, you put your phone away, you dance, you connect, and you come together with other people that um, you may not have otherwise. And it sounds cliche, but I really believe in the power of music to bring people together. You know, it's a platitude, but it's very, very true. And um, the love that happens there and the, the connectivity and the connections that I've made and the connections that we've made with our fans, um, from that lens in particular, I, I feel that the reason why mindfulness and meditation and Buddhism or all of these these different modalities are having a moment right now is because um, the pendulum has swung the other way and now people are ready for uh, a level of awakening. Mm. And perhaps, you know, Rachel, as she was working today, is listening to the latest news about the goings-on of our president, your president. I'm from Canada. I'm Canadian. So <laughs> he refuses to claim Trump as his president. No way. Uh, anyhow, she keeps in touch with it. And there's a way in which the the pressure, the pressures that are there for for everyone, and especially you all, because of the kinds of things that are being done, uh, really affect the future uh, of of all of us, and certainly the future when you're having families, raising children, and so on. The environment. I mean, we got some letters to. We did a thing yesterday. I did a thing with Ramdas. People asking questions about, uh, you know, from what they got from the mindfulness meditation course, and. And there was a couple there that were around, geez, how do we deal with this environmental crisis? It's so much fear. How do we deal with that fear? So there's a lot of that going on and uh, that kind of pressure. And, uh, you know, how do you see yourself in terms of this, all of this great information that you are part of on a day-to-day -day basis and where, where it's going to go in terms of your generation and what you can do? Yeah. Well, I guess in some sense, I think we've sort of reached a tipping point in our society. And I think, oh, sorry. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, there's not a lot of difference between activism and between living in our world and doing what we need to do and raising our kids and um, and practice. I mean, it's all I think the whole point is that practice and living that are interchangeable. I mean, there's no obviously sitting and having a meditation room is nice, but I think a lot of people don't have that luxury. And I think just finding a way to bring the mindfulness into your everyday work in order to spread that and to just become a beacon for that for other people, I think is so important right now because there is so much evil and so much negativity in the world that we almost don't have a choice. Like we have to, we have to, to be those beacons or else I don't, I mean, I think we're just done. <laughs> Yeah. Hate to be such a negative Nancy, but yeah. choice. I agree. I agree. And compassion is active, right? It's like, it, yeah. it, as you say, it's easy to go and do a Vipassana retreat and, and be alone mm -hmm. in the mountain. And I think, but the, the, the real practice, which Ramdas talks about a lot, is actually in the nuts and bolts of being a human in it every day. And compassion is very active. And I think some people think, well, if you're, if you're having this whole idea of non attachment and non clinging, how do you actually do anything? But really, compassion means i mean i was thinking about this a lot in terms of what was just happening with ice and the and the families that have been separated and compassion means action it, it means coming from a place of of um of really moving forward with what you believe to be an integrity in the world yeah not actually just sitting sitting back and watching things unfold and and crumble from the mountaintop yeah and i think it's really easy for people like us to come from a place who are in a place of privilege just to say, well, I don't have to deal with that. So I'm just going to go to work yeah. and go to tennis and whatever. But I think it's becoming more and more a responsibility for people who do, who are in this place of privilege to stand up for those who aren't. And I think again, like I, I, I don't feel like I have a choice. Like I think that any compassionate human being who wants to see a change, you know, I think we have to take action or else no one's going to, you know, we have to be the ones to, we're the who said that we're the ones we've been waiting for. That's some kind of famous quote. Um, but I see a lot yeah, of parallels also between now and I mean, I didn't live in the 60s, obviously, but I see a lot of parallels between I don't know. The, Absolutely. I yeah. feel that coming back around like the the revolutions, you know, like the the I don't know. The, was it the late 60s? The 
that's sort of spike the the hippie movement was really yeah. just like a summer of love yeah yeah the so late 60s <laughs> early 70s but i'll tell you you know what the one of the striking differences for me is i remember back then that we once we got in we found the path and once for me personally i went to india followed ramdas met neem karoli baba uh i was uh a bit too much on my own island. My uh, now I am from Canada, so it is way different. Okay, it just is. We don't have, you know, the, it's a volunteer army, for instance, right? <laughs> and we were getting people right. over Vietnam uh, resistors. We were and uh, getting them over the border and and harboring them in Montreal. I had one actually a very well known friend that I did that with, named Jesse Winchester, who was a wonderful singer songwriter. Um, who passed, unfortunately, a few years ago. Um, but th we were not very um, active. Our activism was very limited. I mean, there were many people who were, that's all they were. So either you were an activist or you were into spirituality. The, right. the getting together of those two things was more rare back then, I think. And, um, and of course, Ramdas kept emphasizing in, in his talks uh, you've got to get your heart straight before you can be active, before you can do social, social action, because if you have anger, you're going to get the opposite result of what it is that you want to do, and you're just right. going to further polarize everything. And I think that that's, the, that's uh, uh, extremely important these days. And, you know, I guess in, yeah. in myself, I mean, both Rachel and I sit here, we're a little bit alike going, I can't believe that. You know, day to day, yeah. you know, uh, almost enjoying the anger at, and throwing it at this being, right? Or at, <laughs> the outrage. Yeah, the outrage, and you kind that, of enjoy that, the outrage. You know, there's a way. Yeah, of, it's it's addictive. Yeah, in a, exactly. in not a good way. Not it's, in a good way. <laughs> no, it, you know, actually, it was really funny when I was in um, Maui and got to go uh, talk with Ramdas for a couple hours. I asked him, I, and this is what came up, and I had a, a, a laundry list of questions that I had that I wanted to discuss, and I felt like other things were just going to come up. And I said, um, without mentioning the political climate, I said, so what do you do with difficult people? And like, he knew exactly what I was asking right away because um, it was really just about our president and cabinet, and, I, and I'm, I'm not at a place where I can actually not feel the anger towards him all of the time. And he's and he said that um, he knew right away, and he said that he has a he had a picture of Trump on the altar nearby, and I I was just completely blown away by that because the idea that you can still um, you can still move towards the image of a world that you want through kindness and compassion, and you don't actually have to do that through anger. Like what resists persists, and especially in the world of outrage and the internet, it's easy to get caught up in that. But when you do. I think that's actually, that's kind of the point, right? People are trying to divide and that's the path of the heart and kindness and compassion back to seeing people as people and not not as monsters and trying to find a way to bridge things back. Yeah, right. find the old soul there. Yeah, separating right. his ego from his soul. Yeah. And yeah. Not easy. Not easy. <laughs> not easy. But no There's one said word. it was going to be easy, right? Yeah, but right. you know, back to what we we're talking about—the comparison between this generation and mine, late '60s, early '70s. Um, I I do have a lot more hope because there is much more of a consciousness around working on yourself and uh, at the same time being active in whatever way you can. If it's supporting a political political candidate that. Uh, has views that you feel are correct in terms of um, manifesting a better world for everybody or however which way you do it, just knowing that as long as you keep working on yourself at the same time, then you are, you know, you're doing the best you can possibly do. And I think this generation understands that uh, and is understanding it more and more. And, and which is why, Justin, I love what you're doing with the glitch mob. Uh, you know, I saw one of Thank your you. things, uh, the ethos of the glitch mob is empathy and compassion. And, uh, you know, that's a beautiful thing. And, uh, Thank you. yeah. Oh, you know what? We ought to play 
a little bit of so we talked about how Justin came to us and he said I wanted I found this meditation I want to put some music behind it and um and I'm awfully judgmental person especially around music because I had a record label for about 20 years in LA and uh I've been a, a music producer as well and many people have taken Ramdas's words and put music behind them and sent them to us. Some of it was just a hobbyist kind of a thing, and others wanted us to get involved with them in terms of release and so on and getting it out to, to Ramdas's audience in particular. And I had never heard anything that, had, uh, that struck the chord uh, between supporting what Ramdas was doing however whatever it may have been in terms of either a meditation or a talk and at the same time being substantial enough to take it into another transcendent uh, place so that the music and the words really came together anyhow a long and the Thank short you. of it is Justin sent me some sent Rachel and I something and as soon as I heard it I went okay this man knows what he's doing here and has a real sensitivity and a, and has put a cre really creative piece. So we want to, this has not been released. It's going to be the first time publicly that we've played anything. We're not, it's, as I said, it's a, it's a, uh, just about a 30 minute meditation. And, and also there's a wonderful video that uh, Justin and his friends put together uh, that'll accompany it. And so here's uh, just a, a couple of minutes to give you a taste of Imagine, which is the title of the track. So in the next few minutes when I'm reading to you, try to find a comfortable place where you can be with your head, neck, and chest in a straight line. And um, you could be lying flat down, or you could be sitting up. Meditation is many things. It can be meditating on an object of meditation. Or it can be a process of letting all objects go by. now is to dislodge ourselves from <clears throat> our inordinate attachment to our own thoughts. Because as long as we're locked into our thoughts, we're always just one thought away from here. Since we've been talking about Guruness. Let us use this time together and this incredible spiritual energy that the sharing we're doing at this moment is tuning us into. To allow us all to get a little closer to the Satguru that is within all beings. So imagine that just gives you a little bit of a taste of what uh, Justin has done here with this uh, track from uh, meditation from Ramdas. And uh, I personally cannot wait uh, for people to be able to hear this, Justin. Uh, actually, that's not the right way to put it. Experience is more like it. And I think that many, many people who have, when you say meditation, they go, whoops, I don't know how to meditate. I can't meditate. I can't keep, you know, it, my mind wanders. Yeah, mm -hmm. whose mind doesn't wander? That's what it's all right. about. 
you know, I always laugh at that. Uh, but I think this gives people some really great access to go deep inside themselves because of the music. You know, Krishnadas, who is chants around the world, he'll say all the time, the uh, the music and the rhythm and everything that's involved with it is the sugar coating to make the medicine go down okay. <laughs> in this I case, the, you know, in this case, the mantra, and, and this is very much the same. And uh, I've already uh, thought of, oh wow, I know what I could do with this. You know, we're having an immersion retreat in in Ojai in in November. By the way, November one through four, you can check ramdas.org about that. Uh, and I'm going to have a session where we're going to do a meditation. I'm going to play this, you know. Awesome. So then I'm going to go up in the Himalayas uh, before that, uh, leading a group with my wife, Saraswati. And we're going to do the same thing right up in this incredible valley, high up in the Himalayas. Uh, right. Yeah, so we'll do it there as well. So I, I can see people having listening parties where they're more of a let's sit and meditate with this. And I, I kind of want to see what happens. So, so I really yeah. appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. That, that means a lot. And that's one of the things that, um, that I hope people do when they listen to it is, I mean, you know, this caveat is that <clears throat> trying to never dictate how people consume music as you never know. And, um, but with this one, especially for our fans that may or may not have had meditation practice, I want to say something like, take a minute, turn off your phone, turn off your notifications and, and, and drop in or take 30 minutes and, and have the whole the full experience with it. And I think the video too is a way, <clears throat> is another way in to the whole experience and the, what, what Strange Loop has done with it has, um, I think there's something about it that just, it calms you down and the way, the imagery that he used and the, the sense of the ocean and everything is a, is a, a nice way into the moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. Allows you to just settle in and it's really well done. Okay, this is your Thank first you. interview, podcast interview, so go ahead, see what uh, what you got for him. I just throwing me into the water here. Um, so I guess Justin, with our generation, as Raghu calls it, thirty um, somethings, twenty somethings, um, how do you think that music? I mean, I guess music for you is a bit of a meditation, like when you're performing. Do you? F I I always I follow you on Instagram, and you always say like I'm praying to the music gods <laughs> whenever you're on stage. So do you find that that in a way is like a form of meditation for you or how do you, mm -hmm. I mean, how, what place, where do you go when you're on stage and when you're in that space? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's especially when, when we're on tour and there's been a really um, a long day or sometimes we haven't slept a lot or the, the buses break down and we're playing a show at a festival and haven't slept. Um, everything's okay as soon as I get on stage and start playing the music. It doesn't matter what's happening, but as soon as I start playing those drums, um, everything locks in and it's the same thing. So for me, it lines up uh, very, very perfectly with my meditation practice. And the funny thing was that even before I had a practice, music really served that role for me. And I think in a, for a lot of people, it is that whether or not they, they ca would call it that. Um, but when you're listening to music, to really get the the essence of it, you have to actually be in the moment. And it's a it's something that we create that only exists over a course of time. And I think it is actually a framework of, of mindfulness and present time awareness for people that may or may not have had that sort of training. Mm -hmm. So for us, um, I, I try to put Easter eggs into our music, you know, on our last album, there's a song called uh, way out is in, and that's just a little, little, bread comes for people to pick up back to the core of it but at the same time you know if someone um we try to be abstract enough about it to where also if you don't want to meditate or you don't know anything about it you still can just enjoy the music for what it is because that's my practice but you know i wouldn't want to want to force that on anyone listening to the whole thing but um it is interesting opening up a bit more about my own spiritual path and sort of the backbone with it in, in Glitch Mob through this process and just in general is that people are really quite ready for that and much more than I would have thought. And I mean, a lot of people will write and, and have done um, have done work on their own or even apps like Headspace, which are sort of mass, mass yeah. access meditation apps. People are really ready for the whole thing. And um, there's a lot of really big 
big podcasts out there like Tim Ferriss show and stuff like that, where people are really talking about this, the whole, the spiritual practice. I mean, I just listened to, um, you know, he has got millions and millions of downloads and that he had Jack Cornfield on there recently, which was such an incredible episode. So people are really ready for the, the merger of these two things. And for me, I think that, you know, um, on one level music can be, a, a carrier of a message of this stuff or maybe it's not maybe it's just fun and that's also really powerful too so i try to do all of those things where if it's just it just sounds pretty and you have a, it makes your car drive a little bit better to work that's great or if you actually un, unfold the layers over time and go deeper then that's there too right so you just do your thing and then hopefully something comes out of it but there's really no expectations just you're just being 100 yeah i yep. love that and and i know that um you told me before when Ramdas asked you what you do with your music, um, and can you tell us a little bit about that? When you yeah, were that was, yeah, that was a really that was a a, a really eye opening moment and a, a cool part of the conversation. So he had asked me, and and that day he was actually the, the day before I was supposed to meet him, and he had a fever, um, and so I was a Sunday evening, and I was leaving the following day, and Monday he was he was going to see me, which I thought was was just so awesome the fact that his cat was ill and he had a fever but still here here he was talking to me and one of the first things i said was he's like oh tell me about your music and i said um i i wanted to explain the bigger picture sort of behind the scenes spiritual vibe that i have with the music and we take uh what i said is that we take the love that we experience from people and we send it back out as music. So we get a, there's a lot of people have the tattoo of our logo. People have write us a lot of stories. We have a lot of fans that are in the military that'll write us and say that um, they they listen to our music to get through the day or people who are at work. So, you know, we, we receive this and then we metabolize it and send it back out as music. And that's sort of more or less what I said. And he said, ah, you see that? That's, that's your ego, which is taking something and then sending it back out. You know, your, your soul really just is that love and there's really nothing to do there. And um, I was just, <laughs> it was a really great moment because there's always, every on the whole conversation was always finding a way back into the sense of unconditional love and to the heart. Because even in the moment of feeling like I have to do things, um, that lens has actually been quite helpful since then after that conversation just coming back and not really feeling like i'm here metabolizing this thing and processing it like an engine i'm just being this thing and then it's much more effortless mm, beautiful right on i mean that's something for all of us to work towards obviously because we're human and we think we're doing stuff yeah um, right it just reminds me i had a we had krishnadas and i a mentor from our days with maharaji in india named kc tuari we're actually doing a film about him he's he was the greatest human being I ever met. Not counting, Maharaji couldn't kind of count as that. You know, He was more, I don't know what you would call it, but if you, you could ever be with somebody where you absolutely knew there was nobody in there, no I, no me, me, me. I mean, you know, it's staggering. But uh, it's Casey, just consciousness. Yeah. It's like, it was crazy. But KC was just incredible. And he was like, there was an old comic book back in the in our day, late 60s, early 70s. Uh, R. Crumb actually did it. He's a famous uh, cartoonist. Mm -hmm. And he had one cartoon called Mr. Natural, where Mr. Natural was going around making sure everyone was being here now. And he was incredible. <laughs> and this Tuari, K.C. Tuari, was like Mr. Natural. He was an accomplished yogi, yet he was a, a school teacher, uh, head of a school, a boy's school. And... Uh, He'd be up at four o'clock in the morning, beseeching the gods, Yeshiva and the mother, and they would come down because he had that kind of relationship. I never saw anything like it. I mean, he enjoyed doing that like we enjoy going to Hagendas. I mean, you know, it was wow. it was a completely different experience. And anyhow, he used to say over and over, "My boy, if you think you are doing it, you are lost." <laughs> and. and isn't that true? I mean, I and we that. do that day to day to day to day. You know, so Krishnas, we're working on this thing. Uh, Krishnas uh, has a, a great little aphorism called 
you wake up in the morning and you start the movie of me, right? I love that. Yeah, Duncan Trussell and yeah. I are, are going to do a whole series of podcasts around that. You hit play on the movie. I can only imagine what Duncan will. will yeah. Oh God. Yeah. He's already sent me some stuff. I go, what? Are you kidding? <laughs> oh God. Hey, so one thing that uh, I did read and I'd, I'd love for you to talk about, I think you had a, a great friend who passed uh, DJ AM was, am I mm-hmm. correct? Um, and yep. he had a, a bit of a mantra that I love called, and it was starve the ego and feed the soul. Talk about that, who he was to you, and, and so on. I think it's a major thing. Sure, yeah. Um, when we very first started Glitch Mob, we were more of a, uh, a DJ collective, and we were playing party music, and it was it was more of a fun hip-hop environment, and there wasn't anything um, very, very much deeper than that. I mean, we always had that in our own personal work. We have always had solo projects, but right around the time we decided to write our first album drink the sea and uh, in 2010 uh dj am was um it's like i think this must have been 2009 but dj am was in the very beginning of our whole career was a, a, a very close friend a childhood friend of our manager kev who's still with us today who's basically like the fourth band member and he he was part of our whole process as a mentor and um you know he he brought many opportunities to us and he was always very kind and when he passed um that was his his slogan basically like you know, he had it on his twitter bio and he would always talk about it and say it and in a moment well so it's sort of it's a it's another way it's a path back to the right thing to do well starve the ego feed the soul this is what we're going to do and um so the night of his memorial we actually wrote a song called starve the ego feed the soul and it all happened that that night and we don't actually talk about that too much in public because we also want people to not see it as an homage to a past friend but really to to have their own relationship with it and a lot of people have got that uh the phrase tattooed on them or those people who have like made stickers yeah and people and and so in a way it was a it was a testament to the power of music because that's what he would have wanted was just to take that that aphorism or that um that way of seeing things and have it live on through this song so it's sort of like our our hat tip to him and our thank you and um and you know, people have really, really taken to it, and it's also become a bit of our of our slogan as well. So, and the whole thing is pretty serendipitous. Mm. Talk about it, though. What it means to you, starving the ego in particular. I mean, I think it's 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 particularly lines up with what we were just talking about. How um, the ego, the me, the I is is a source of so much of our suffering. So, back to the soul. It also has there's something about um, when I the first time I heard it, I thought of. Um, was it starve a fever, feed a cold, right? Yeah, As my yeah. mom used to say yeah, when yeah. you when you were when I was sick. So there's also something kind of um, nostalgic and and has this this mother energy about it. But um, I, it's just it's a fun way to think of a, a limerick around getting outside of the the trance of the I and the ego and back to the place of pure love. Yeah, I think of this as a awareness. Yeah. And Ramdas calls it the witness so that, you know, f- feeding your soul to me is being able to get to a perspective. And, you know, he does this loving awareness meditation where you get out from your mind, ego and move into your spiritual heart in the center of your chest to the deepest place in, in that's possible to get to inside oneself. And in the doing of that, changing that perspective uh, having that awareness, which non-judgmental awareness, so that mm-hmm. you are seeing the myriad of things that you do and the myriad of of motivations about what you do on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis, and you can go, "Wow, isn't that something? That's the, <laughs> that me, isn't that? Wow, how did I build that up over the this whole lifetime and?" many previous lifetimes so uh, now this <laughs> yeah uh, now yeah, this. Yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah that, and that that reminds me too of also the the feeling of having touched the place of witness in various um, modalities in life and coming back and having that same compassion for my ego as well you know i think that um that's really where the whole thing where the whole thing starts is not being able to think that oh ego is ego is bad or good or even any sort of 
uh, value judgment there. It's a non, it's a non-judging place. And then um, I think there's a, there's a quote from Ram Dass that's something like, once you've touched the ocean of unconditional love or you've drank from it, um, you won't want anything and nothing else will satisfy you or something like yeah. this. And, and I find that to be, it's grandiose, but it's, tr- but it's true. And it's a practice back and forth because I know at some point in the day, I will have touched the ocean of pure unconditional love when I'm looking at a cup of coffee in the morning and then maybe I'm driving <laughs> and I and, and I go into full ego mode and it's, it's just part of that practice, but yeah. it is something that you can access and come back yeah. to at any point in time and reset to, yeah. to what feels true. Yeah, uh, Jack Cornfield's a great. He'll talk about it's okay. You're human. It's okay. Right. You don't have to kill yourself. We're human. We pick ourselves right. up, dust it off, and keep on moving, you know. And uh, uh, one thing is, of course, there's a famous saying, the ego is a terrible master, but a wonderful servant. I was just going to say that. Oh, that's Ram I'm so sorry. <laughs> We're so in sync. Jesus. That was Ramdas, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Oh, you took my I love the idea of that. The Yeah, the servant or the, or the ego as an ally doesn't need to be a... Um, someone who's sitting around judging you and, and taking notes, but actually can be in, in, on your team. It's very, it's a different sensation. Mm-hmm. So how are you dealing with, uh, I, I'm, I have a good friend who's a musician, actually he's like a nephew to me, Trevor Hall. And he, <clears throat> he has infused his lyric with spirituality in general. Uh, he talks about his own connection to he's very much into you know he's been to india a billion times and so on he's a wonderful wonderful person actually somebody i really would love for you guys to you'd have so much in common yeah i would love to yeah um but you know what crops up is uh and i'm sure this is for you too is cynicism yeah this woohoo stuff you're talking about come on we got a real world we're dealing with, you know. How do, how do you uh, deal with that on a both in a public way and in a person to person way? Yeah, I think um, I, I think of cynicism as a force like the opposite of gravity that you actually you have to actively fight against because it wants to come in and corrode your brain and corrode your creativity and your friends and family and all of the things. And especially as an artist, it's easy to be out there and think that art is about money and you have you have to do all of these things to, in, in order to get other ego things and, and that. So I think that, that cynicism and also for us, naturally glitch mob creates from, from the heart, even before I, I had my soul, my spiritual path unfolding, we've always come from a place of emotion or narrative. And we, we think of music is, is a way to transfer compassion. Um, like we write a song, we start about something. We, we, we talk a lot about the light at the end of the tunnel when we're writing. There's something about our music that can be really heavy, but it's not heavy and aggressive just for the sake of aggression. There's always some some sort of hopefulness there with it. Um, and I would say on the sort of spiritual dial, our, our ours is a bit lower, right? Like we don't really put it out there too much. I mean, this is probably the most I've ever actually talked about it in public in general. And we're talking about it more, but it's we, I think of it more of, Easter eggs so that people, if they find their way back in, they can, because we want, we don't want to um, dictate what any particular experience can be for people. And also our music's instrumental. You know, we do have vocals on there. We work, we collaborate with vocalists, but um, they typically write the lyrics. We don't. So for us, um, it's, it's baked into the, the languageless part of music, the sort of nonverbal sense that everything's going to be okay. And this, if music can help you, um, come over adverse circumstances or get through your day or do anything you need to do. And that's really what, what it is for us. And that's, that's the power of the whole thing. And, you know, when we travel around, we play these shows, we do a lot of meet and greets. Um, we, we visit record stores. We have people come to our show early and we have a lot of conversations with people. I mean, sometimes we'll do 75 people a day. Um, people come in and we, we give them a hug and we talk for a little bit or, and people have these really intense, beautiful stories about what music means. And the cool part about this whole practice right now is seeing that when I, when they say your music has helped me so much, I don't, I realize that it's actually not even about me or us, that it's about music and it's a connectivity to something bigger. But really I see how that the power of music, when you re- when the connection is really made 
um, in that way, it can be super transformative. Um, so when we keep that in mind, then everything really, really just follows from there. And the core of the whole experience being the gratitude that we have to, to get up and make art for our job and do this whole thing. And when we keep it, you know, there are, there are forces that would want us to go and become cynical and use our music just to make money. And there's decisions that we could have made certainly to, to, um, to be involved with brands that we're not aligned with or all these sorts of other things. But when we keep it core to our integrity, then everything seems to, to work well for us from there. Mm. We've been, uh, I have talked about one particular thing, uh, music as an ally on podcasts, uh, more than once, many times, and uh, actually, we're putting a thing together, Ramdas.org, around that subject, and because uh, we feel really strongly about it, just uh, and you've just expressed exactly some of the reasons why we do, and the the power of it to transform a heart is extraordinary. And, and for me, as I said in the beginning of this podcast, that experience I had with uh, John Coltrane. Uh, <coughs> I mean, it changed my life. It just mm -hmm. absolutely changed my life, and I'll never forget it. It's an, an indelible uh, experience, and it's you know that's been a lot of my work off and on. Uh, well, for many years, of course, in Los Angeles with a record company that Krishnadas and I had was around world music and sacred music, and uh, I don't think that there's anything quite as powerful. As, uh, as music to allow someone to just relax, get out of cynical mind, and be uh, way more present in their lives through, through this. And of course, uh, chanting in particular, and that's one of the biggest things we brought back, and Krishnas is the uh, main purveyor of it from our tradition, uh, has oh turned on enormous amounts of people to <coughs> find uh, their core true selves uh, in a way that they maybe had more of a difficulty through traditional meditative practices and so on. So, sure. yeah, music is, is a real ally. Yeah, sure. it's really powerful. And I think that there, you know, there are many different uh, trails up to that place on the hill, right? Music is one of them, chanting, I think. There's so many different ways up, and that's that's the cool part about um, understanding the power of music. Um, I read, I'm a big fan of Dr. Oliver Sacks, who's one of my most influential um, thinkers of all time. And you know, his books are all about the power of music on a neurological level, but also in a poetic way, he would study what music can do for people, how it can actually, um, it can take, it take people who had um, neurodegenerative disorders that he would play them certain music from their childhood and they could stand up and dance you know and that the whole movie uh the movie awakenings with robin williams about yeah. that is so good but just in general i mean even on a non sort of spiritual plane music really is um he called it the, like, the primal social cement like it holds us together in ways that we don't actually really know and it's yeah, it's nonverbal. and we've been playing music before for language so for me leaning on the, the power of it to really do that um it feels it feels right mm, yeah well said, and a good tip, Oliver Sacks, on that, too. We'll have all of this, everybody, on our show notes and links, and, and of course, a link to uh, Glitch Mob latest record and other records, and uh, there'll be a link to where you'll be able to get this uh, piece from Justin and Ramdas as well. Do you have anything else? I think you must have one more thing that you can say. I, I don't think I have anything else. I just Nothing. really appreciated this conversation and I'm just, I feel complete actually. You do? Yeah. Feels good. How do you guys feel? I'm good. I feel great. <laughs> hey, Justin, thank you for being here. It's thank you guys. great to have you on Thanks, Mind Justin. Rolling. And uh, again, everybody, uh, this, everything that you're hearing and all the little tidbits will be available easily to link to and uh, also link to glitch mob site as well and we have some fun things that we're going to be doing we have a good friend uh brandon deroche from propeller la.com right propeller.la i think that's right yeah, we'll put it in the show notes <laughs> okay. yes <laughs> All right. Let's, we won't argue about that um we are going to do 
because this has become an idea that we love at Love Server Member Foundation is working with Justin and we're going to be working with a, another uh, musician named East Forest who's putting together also music with uh, different Ramdas uh, uh, sound bites, etc., and, and talks uh, with music, with uh, different guest stars, and so on. So this is becoming something that we feel is uh, really going to enable us to gather together uh, uh, with what Ramdas represents alongside of music, which we feel will really benefit a lot of people who can, uh, as I say, and you've listened to a little bit of what Justin's done here, so you get an idea how easily one can flow into uh, this vibration. So uh, this propeller, uh, it's a crowdfunding because we're going to raise money for the foundation to be able to enable us to do more work in this area. And all of that will be on the show notes page as well. And it's a, it's a wonderful little family we, hear, we have here. I do have one more thing to say. Oh my God. So um, Ram Das and the Love Server Member Foundations, part of our big mission is to enable um, a younger generation to access these teachings that have been passed down for 50 years plus 2,000, 3,000 years, but more uh, recently from Ram Das in the last five decades. So we feel that the project, the combining of music with spirituality, with Be Here Now, I think it just makes a wonderful... Uh, soup for especially you know teens 20s 30s generation um and i just i i'm very passionate about this project because i feel like it's very important um to be able to transmit these teachings to someone like me will you let anybody who's like 50 to 80 50 year olds are also allowed to listen to music i'm just saying i wasn't omitting an older generation i'm just saying um I just feel like younger generation relates to this kind of stuff. And, yeah. and well, it's like the future too. It's given everything that's going future. on yeah. nowadays. We, that's right. We absolutely need everybody to participate, however they can, in in life in general. And uh, and you know, let's end with uh, empathy and compassion. That's glitch mod uh, credo credo, and it's really all of our. We, we we all need to be sharing that kind of uh, thought and um, action. So I thank Star you. Starve the ego, that. feed the soul. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Why don't we have a T-shirt? Starve the ego, feed the soul. Let's talk about that later. Okay. All right. Thank you again, Justin. <laughs> Thanks, Justin. Thank you, guys. And we'll talk uh, to you soon. Okay. Yes. And thank you for being everybody, being here on Mind Rolling on the Be Here Now Network. And we'll see you again next week.